Lord, thank you for this morning. And God, as we come before you, we ask for your spirit to speak to us. God, your spirit is truth. And Jesus, you are truth. And your spirit uh, will help us to understand you and who you are and who we are in you. And so I pray, God, that your spirit would give us understanding. But not only that, just a heart to receive all that you want to say to us, God, that we would be not only open to it, but that we would embrace your word totally, God, with our whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. So I ask, God, that you would bless, Lord, your word now, anoint it with your Holy Spirit, and I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we all know this name, Bill Gates, right? You guys know. He right now is the fourth richest person in the world, and he's valued, valued at $122.6 billion. That's a lot of money. As you know, he, he reaches fame and power or riches and power. Uh, with him, uh, Gates and Paul Allen, they started the Microsoft company. And to me, what was interesting, though, when he was growing up, he was always a different kind of guy. Actually, his father shared how at an early age, he actually read the World Book Encyclopedia from start to finish. Those of you who are older know what that is. Before internet and all that, there's this encyclopedia. Well, he read that as his reading. By age 11, he was asking parents about world affairs, uh, international things going on, business, what's business, and uh, the nature of life and things like that. When he was 13 years old, he wrote his first computer program at 13. In high school, him and his friends, they wrote the software for the school's payroll system. So even before Microsoft, all that, he was already rolling in this direction with computers, programming, even as things were just starting with that whole technology. Though Gates was super smart, in his own uh, words, he said that his social skills weren't that great. Now, if you think about it, right, and maybe you've seen pictures of him when he was young, too, you can imagine, you know, when he was in high school, what, what everyone was probably saying about him, right? They looked down on him. He was that classic nerd, you know, skinny, eating Hot Pockets. I don't know if it was invented back then, but, yeah, you know, it's just that classic kind of uh, look and low on the social ladder in high school. But he's the one who ended up at the top, right? Successful, rich, and everything, influential. It was actually Bill Gates that once said, be nice to nerds, chances are you'll end up working for one of them. <laughs> I thought that was funny. Well, I was thinking about how different he was. I, and I'm thinking about us as believers. Now, we live in a world, we live in an age where Christians are actually looked down upon, where we, be, we are becoming more and more lower on the social ladder, lower on what's ex- accepted. We are, are, are different in a good way, though. We're, we, we live differently. We act differently. We say different things. We're, we're weird to the world. We don't fit in like how the world is running. But you know what? When Jesus returns, everyone is going to know the truth 
of what we believed in. They're going to know what our faith in, what our faith is in, how we live, you know, and we're going to actually be brought to the top. Well, today in our study in the book of First Peter, uh, we find that no matter what the world may do to us, no matter what the world may say or, or how they look at us, no matter what that is, Peter's like saying, hey, keep following Jesus. Keep to that path. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to be different. Don't be afraid to live differently. Don't be afraid to go against the flow of the world. And that's the title of our message. Go against the flow. Go against the flow. You know, don't be like the world. Don't live like that. Go against the flow. We're going to be studying 1 Peter chapter 4 from verse 1 through 6 this morning. From verse 1 through 6. And, and there's, there's three things that I want to bring to your mind here. Number one is this step into the battle. Number two is uh, a stand apart from the world. And number three is set your eyes on heaven. And, and this is the word I believe God has for us. These three things, the, what we're going to study today, I believe God wants to put that into your minds and hearts that we would go against the flow of what the world is doing. Well, let's begin with the first thing. Number one, step into the battle. Step into the battle. Now, here we're going to be looking at verse 1 and 2 in this section, these two verses. But first of all, let's look at verse 1. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1, it says, Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking, for whoever suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Well, we'll stop here. Now, Peter begins to write here in chapter 4, verse 1. He says, beginning in this section, Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh. Now, when we read the word flesh right here, it's really talking about physically, his physical body, that he was flesh and blood here on the earth. So Peter's like, okay, since therefore. Now, you know, he suffered bodily. He suffered uh, physically, he, we know he died on the cross. And when he says, therefore, when he says, since therefore, and he's going to call us to do the same. So he's saying, since therefore, it connects us to what we saw last week, right? And last week we saw in, ver- in chapter 3, verses 18 to 22, remember the title was the victorious suffering of Jesus. We saw that his seemingly defeat in his suffering and on the cross was actually a win. It actually turned out to bring God's plan and purpose into this world, which is salvation. We saw last week that, that it, Christ's suffering, his death, right, his seeming defeat really brought us access to God. We saw that last week that it also defeated Satan and the enemy when he died, the demons too, when he died, suffered and died on the cross and of course rose again. We also see that through him now we have salvation. We're saved from judgment, judgment of our sins and hell. And we also saw last week, right, that this is what brings us into the glory of heaven which is our salvation in Christ because he suffered and died on the cross and atoned for our sins. So when Jesus suffered in the flesh, when he physically suffered in his body and died on the cross, 
it seemed like the most tragic event in history, but it actually turned out to be the most triumphant one. So from there now, Peter is like, okay, since it's like that, since it's a victorious suffering, since it, it, his defeat turned out to be a win, and, and you know what, since therefore Christ suffered in that flesh, then in the body, you know what, he says, then arm yourselves with the same way of thinking, verse 1. Arm yourselves. Get that into you also as you go through this life here on earth. Now, when he says arm yourself, basically he's saying get ready for battle. Be ready for battle. It, it, it's the, the original word here really is used of a soldier who has uh, uh, prepared himself. He has all his armor on. He's got his weapons, everything. And he's ready to go into battle. And that's what Peter is saying. He says, Arm yourselves in that way, in the same way of thinking, in the same mind, in the same mindset, in the same attitude, you can say. Have that same way of thinking that Christ had when he suffered. Christ knew what the plan was. Jesus knew as he's going through this suffering that one day he would, what, rise on the third day, that he would conquer all this, that this was God's plan to bring salvation to bring people, right, close to God. We read that last week, that, that his suffering brought us to this relationship with God. So here's Peter. Arm yourself. Put that into your mind. Let that be part, of, not part, but let that be inside you and, and bring you to this place where you're, 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 gonna, you're willing to suffer. Remember, these guys... They're going through persecution, right? We've said this almost every week. Uh, Nero is, is bearing down on all the Christians. He's capturing, he's uh, having them arrested. Uh, society now looks down upon the Christians. People around you are now looking down on you, and, and, and you're suffering. That's what he's saying. Life has become hard. But he's saying, arm yourselves with this way of thinking. Be willing to suffer and endure hardship. Expect that suffering and the bad treatment. Because you know what? God has a plan in this. The God's going to do something great in this. So, arm yourself by putting into your mind, step into the battle. Step into the battle with the mindset of a willingness to suffer for Jesus Christ. This is the first thing that Peter is bringing out here. Step into that battle with that mindset of a willingness to suffer for Jesus Christ. Now, we don't like suffering. We don't like that pain. We don't, we don't like. So when things happen, we will battle in our mind about that, won't we? We'll battle in the sense of, oh, I don't know. I'm not, is this really worth it? It, it, it and, and, you know, the enemy likes to bring us to a point where we begin to even doubt God. We even begin to, to get disappointed and say, well, God, why is this? Why I did this? And we have this, this mindset that, well, if we're God, everything's going to be a blessing. And there is blessings. There is great things that God does. But Peter's saying, look, in this time, in this we live in, and there's persecution, you want arm yourself. Step into the battle. 
Don't run away from it. Don't compromise here. Don't leave your faith here, but step into the battle with this mindset of a willingness that, you know what? I'm going to suffer for Christ. I mean, if Christ suffered, right? The scripture says, if he was persecuted, so will we as we are children of God and people who have made our commitment and allegiance to Christ. You know, there's this old book called Jesus Freaks. And I, I like that term because aren't we Jesus freaks? We're, we're all for Jesus. We're all about Jesus. We want Jesus. But there's this book about Jesus freaks, and it, it's really true stories of persecuted and, and martyred Christians. And, and there's this one I, uh, story I came across. Um, it was about a 12, 12 years old now, a girl named uh, Valia v- Vaschenko who willingly went against a school director forcing all the students to put a red scarf on and become a member of the communist children, uh, a group in the Soviet Union. This was back in 1960. So the country was forcing, right, everyone into make allegiance to communism and went all the way down to the children. And here's a 12-year-old girl. And here... The class was presented that they were to come up, put a red scarf, and make their allegiance to the government, the communist government. But this one girl, she took a stand against that. She instead made an oath to God in front of everybody, prayed to God, sang a hymn. And, and, and part of what she said was this, we will stand for the gospel faith for Christ. 12 years old. She puts us to shame, some of us adults. Her faith, her, her commitment, allegiance to Christ, even facing this opposition. The book talks about that many of these children who did stand with her were beaten. And, and, and they were punished for that, for not making allegiance to the communist government. But when she did and when many of these kids did, many others follow i like that yeah because you're not alone here we we all face that fear of suffering we don't like that we 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 all face like well what's going to happen when someone actually puts a gun to our head and says you got to renounce christ it could happen in our country things are changing in our society we know in revelation that eventually the antichrist is going to make this law so that it, it, it's okay to go after Christians. That the, the, and that it'll be against the uh, law to know Christ, be, or especially if you don't take the mark because you're saying you're not for the new government, the, the Antichrist. It's, it, we're heading in that direction, you guys. And you know what? In other countries, it's happening already. So it's hard, but, but here's Peter saying, look, step into this mindset step into the battle that the battle of your mind that we're willing to suffer for christ arm yourself you know i I almost think about that peter saying decide already make that choice already right now you guys before it gets down to your life or or you know we'll take your life if or, or unless you renounce jesus Decide already that I am for Jesus. I will not back down. I choose Jesus. 
Step into the battle with that mindset of a willingness to suffer and maybe even die for Jesus Christ. Since Christ did that, we need to do that. And understand that defeat is actually a win. Look what he says here in, in the second part of verse 1 of First Peter chapter 4. It says, For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. All right, now this is an odd verse. And if you know your Bible, you're, you're kind of like, wait, wait, right? Whoever has suffered in the flesh, again, in the physical body like Christ did, has ceased from sin. Wait, so does that mean that we can come to a place where we don't sin anymore? Is that what Peter is saying? And when we suffer, that we reach that goal? No, what we know the Bible uh, tells us that we're not freed from this fleshly body which is connected to our old sinful self. Uh, we're not freed from sin until we get our glorified bodies when we go to heaven. Yeah, we're going to be struggling in that. Matter of fact, John wrote in 1 John 1 8 that if, if anybody say they have no sin, he says, the truth isn't in you. You're deceiving yourself. So, so remember, there's, there is that battle within ourselves in that way. So what is Peter saying? He's saying this. When you choose to suffer, then you're, not gonna, you're no longer going uh, with the world here into sin. That's, that's what he's saying. He's saying if, when you choose to suffer for Christ, then you're not going to go on in sin along with what the world is doing. That's their direction. Your, your direction is Christ. See, think about it this way. What, the ultimate sin, right, is to reject Jesus because he's the only provision for our sin. And so the ultimate sin is rejecting Jesus. But to receive Jesus, to hold on to Jesus, is to reject the sin of the world of them rejecting Jesus, of their direction of continuing on in sin. And we're going to be seeing that in this passage. So think about it this way. Peter's like, arm yourself with, with, with this and in, 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 put this into your mind. Step into the battle with the mindset you side with Christ now. You're on Christ's side. You're not with the world anymore. You're taking sides. Yes, you are. You're, you're, you've drawn a line. There is a line, and you're going to be with Christ, not the world anymore. So step into the battle. That, that, that's going to bring a battle, when, when, right? If you're going to say, well, I'm not with you guys. I'm with Christ. So, of course, the world is going to come against you. But with that mindset, you side with Christ now. So when you make that choice that I'm going to suffer for Christ, and with Christ. I'm following his path. I'm following his steps. You know what? You cease from the sin of the world rejecting Christ. You're siding with Jesus now. Right before the Scottish pastor James Guthrie was hanged in 1661, this was for his stance on Jesus, he said this, Dear friends, Pledge this cup of suffering as I have done. For sin and suffering are presented to me, and I have chosen the suffering part. That's, that's pretty heavy. I'm not going to go the way of the world. I'm not going to reject Christ. I'm not going to just, ah, forget Jesus. I'm going to just go on ahead and live my life 
uh, as the world does. No, I choose the suffering. I choose Christ. I mean, we have to think about it this way too, right? Christ died on the cross, right, uh, for our sins. He saved us and delivered us for, from our sins and the consequence of sin. So now in Jesus, what, what, what side are we going to be on, right? Are we going to go back to what he saved us from? No, we want to go forward to what he wants us to be now. So we would choose sin, that we're moving away from that old sinful life and we're moving toward this relationship with God and becoming that person who God wants us to be, living in godliness, following after Christ, becoming, uh, being formed into the image of Christ, Romans chapter 8. So the battle is against sin. The battle is against our old sinful self. The battle is against the devil who wants us still back there, you guys. That's his strategy. That's his plan. So when persecution comes and you come face to face, then you come face to face with, okay, who am I? Who do I pledge my allegiance with? That old life, the world? Or is it Christ? Is it Christ? So step into this battle with this mindset that, you know, I'm with Christ now. I'm on his side now. Let's go on to verse 2. Peter writes, So as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. So here's Peter then. Keep this mindset. mindset. Since Christ suffered, you know, physically in the body, then you guys who... As you live the rest of your time in the flesh, in your physical body, in other words, the rest of our life, right, here on earth before we go to heaven we get our glorified body and with God, the rest of your time you're in our physical body here, he's like, okay, so no longer live now for human passions. What's he talking about? Well, the, the passions are the old sinful self appetites. It's, it, it's that, the sinful apple, appetites like we had before Jesus. In other words, you know, th- this doesn't control you anymore. Your old sinful self doesn't control. We've been freed as when we came to Jesus. We've been freed from the bondage of our old sinful self. Romans 6. We died with Christ, right? We were buried with Christ and we were resurrected into a new life in Christ as a new person. So we don't live for that old sinful passions. This is pretty clear, you guys. We now live what? He says here, but for the will of God. To do what He wants. Let me throw out to you. Do, do you do God's will? Is that a concern for you? God's will? I think in as we get caught up in life and problems, sometimes we're, we're more into ourselves. Matter of fact, I think one of the strategies of, of the devil is to, is, is to uh, make us focus on the pain and suffering so much that we're like, ah, oh, not sure, God. And we start focusing on ourselves more than God and our pain that we have in ourselves. And it's like self, self, self. To a point like we get lost in all of that and forget about the will of God, 
in the plan of God. So here's, here's Peter like, hey, we used to be like that. Our passions were to please ourselves, but, but no longer. Our passion should be to do the will of God. What is the will of God? What is that? Well, that's a hard one, Pastor Eric. I'm, I'm trying to find the will of God for my job or for this or that. But you know what? The Bible tells us specifically what the will of God is. He tells us, well, I should say, generally um, in our lives for each one of us. And we need to do that first. And number one, you know what he tells us is we got to be saved, right? That he desires for no one to perish, but that we would be saved. First Timothy 2.4. His will is also for us to be sanctified. Remember in the Bible, that word means set apart. Set apart from the world. Not living like the world. Not thinking their way or looking at things in the way the world looks, but be set apart, to be sanctified, to be made holy, 1 Thessalonians 4.3. Another will of God that God has for every believer is that we would be spirit-filled, Ephesians 5.17. That's God's will, to be spirit-filled. Be filled with the Spirit. Is that something you seek? Is that something you go after? Have you even thought about what that means? We need to do that and be spirit-filled. Another thing is what we're seeing here today is to suffer for Jesus. 1 Peter 3.17, right? It's better to suffer for good, not bad, if, if that's God's will. And, and it's God's will, Peter's saying. As Christians, we are to suffer. So that's just some of the things in general to be saved, sanctified, spirit-filled, to suffer for Jesus, that the Bible tells us that God desires that this is his will. And let me tell you this, that if you do those things at least, then you can know God's specific will for you individually in your life when you align those things up. Because you're connected to God more. You're walking in Him more. You're taking care of a lot of the basic things. And then you can hear from God. That's what the will of God is. So, here's Peter. Arm yourself by putting this into your mind. Step into the battle with the mind to live out the will of God. With the mind to live out the will of God. And that's even if it means suffering for him. You know, as I get older, I know there's a lot of birthdays this month in the church. You know, a lot of birthdays in January. And I had my, uh, my birthdays in January too. And it just seems like every, when every birthday comes, it's like, whoa, already? You know, I was joking the other day saying, well, I don't do birthdays anymore. I stopped 10 years ago because I don't want to get older. <laughs> but that doesn't work, right? I mean, the, the, the years just go by fast. You know, I, I can remember just last year, I, I got my driver's license. <laughs> and suddenly, oh, where did those years go? It's, they're, they're gone. No wonder the Bible says that life is like a mist, a vapor, right? That, that, that it, 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 it's here today and gone tomorrow. Just like that. Time loss is never found, right? Time loss is never found. So, let's not waste it. Let's not waste the time we have right now 
the years that we have on this earth. I mean, I was thinking about in verse 2 when Peter says, so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh. So the rest of your years you have, the rest of the time that you are in this physical body before you go to heaven, live for Jesus. Do God's will. Don't waste time anymore. Cease, right, from doing sin's will, your will. You know what? Let's live for God, for Jesus, no matter what is going on. Many, sadly, will say, oh, I come to Jesus. I've come to Jesus. But then they don't live in God's will. Many will come to church every week. Yet when they leave here, they don't do God's will. We don't think about it. Maybe we like, oh, yeah, that was a nice message. Or, yeah, that was a funny joke. Or, um, that was, oh, yeah, that was an interesting fact. But we leave here not thinking about, am I doing God's will? Did I receive what he said to me, what God said to me today, and put it into my life and grow? Every week, yeah, we get into the Bible, Wednesday and Sunday. Every service, God is speaking to us. And he's wanting to, for us to take steps in our growth in er- every area he speaks, us, he speaks to us about. And it's a battle. It's a battle to do that, right? You're, you're, you're influenced by the world. You're influenced by things going on in your life, by people around you, and you're pulled away from God's will. But we need to step into the battle with this mind that, no, I'm going to fight this. I'm going to fight my, what the urges inside myself. I'm going to fight what someone's saying to me. I'm going to fight against my, my wanting to turn from God when I'm disappointed with Him. We need to step into the battle. We need to go against the flow of this world and what everyone is doing. We need to be willing to step into the battle. Let's go on to number two. Stand apart from the world. Stand apart from the world. We're going to look at verse 3 and 4 here. Let's begin with verse 3. For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. Now, Peter goes on, look, we want to do the will of God, and we don't want to live in the, our old passions from our old sinful self from before Christ. And, and all of that, he says in verse 3, for that time, the time like that, in the past, suffices. He's saying, it's enough. We've lived enough in that way, basically. Yeah. We've lived enough in the way of doing what the Gentiles want to do. Now, when he says Gentiles, he's coming from this Jewish perspective of how the Gentiles were not saved and the Israel was saved. So, in a general sense, He's using Gentiles as those who aren't saved, the unsaved, the ones who don't believe. So we're, we're Gentiles, yeah, unless you're Jewish, but um, if in Christ, we're saved now. But just look at it as the world does. We, we've, we spent enough time doing what the world does, doing what the unsaved people do. 
The NLT translates it this way. You have had enough in the past of evil things. I like that. So you have enough of this old sinful self, your passions. And what, what was that? What does the world do? What did you used to do before Christ? Well, it goes on with this list, living in sensuality. Sensuality in the original language really speaks of, of living in, in a lack of restraint, like just doing anything you want to do, anything your sinful self wants to do. And really there's connotations of, of sex here, of sexual immorality. And that's even tied to what he says next. He says uh, passions. Passions, again, is, is that unbridled uh, desires. Of, uh, well, another word is like lust. And lust isn't always a, a sexual immoral thing. It, it can be uh, lust of, for money, lust for power, lust for fame and possessions, those kinds of passions. Then he lists your drunkenness. We know what that is. And, and we know getting drunk. Uh, um, drinking too much. Uh, the DUI, I was thinking of DUIs, but I was thinking it's LUI, yeah, yeah? living under the influence. Always going for the drink and then drinking too much and being filled with that alcohol. Orgies, you know, the uh, perverted, immoral sexual parties, drinking parties. Um, it's basically what we would call today, oh, partying, you know. That living, uh, going to wild parties, and oh yeah, you know, you look at movies or maybe your life before that was a thing. Oh, a party, yeah, let's go, yeah, that that's the idea. And then he lists here in verse three at the end, lawless idolatry. Now, in the ancient times, they would worship idols, worship their gods and the Roman Greek gods, and. Basically, these idols will represent what they're into, like Aphrodite, right? Um, oh, she's a goddess of sex. So, yeah, we're going to go worship her. And they had a temple, and basically there were temple prostitutes there. Or uh, there's the Roman god Bacchus. He was the god of, guess what, wine and alcohol, wine and drink. Oh, yeah, that's our idol. Let's, let's go worship in that way. And so they would have these idols, these gods, quote-unquote, to justify what they do living in this way. I mean, even, um, I remember Jesus used the word mammon, right? Like money. It's like, actually, they say it originated back in Syria or even uh, uh, Babylonian times where that was the god of possessions and wealth and money and things like that. So there was all kind of idols and gods that would justify what they're doing. Oh, yeah, yeah, we're spiritual. We're, we're, this, is, this is what we do. You know what I was thinking? You read this list, you go, wow, things haven't changed much today. Right? Doesn't this describe what's going on today? I mean, think of throughout all the ages, all the different empires. It doesn't have to be Rome or Greek or think about Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonian Empire. I mean, same stuff. Why? Because it's that sin nature in every human being that is drawn to that, that is drawn to the sinful desires, the sinful old self flesh, we call it, you know, in a spiritual sense, because that's in all of us. And so P Peter's like, hey, yeah, enough of that already 
enough. We're drawing a line here. We're on the side of Christ. We're arming ourselves. Enough of this. And then he says in verse 4, with respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery and they malign you. So in respect, it's talking about that kind of life, he's saying. And talking about the life that you left behind now, yeah? They, who's they? The unsaved, yeah? Gentiles, the unsaved. They're surprised. The word here is like they're perplexed. They're kind of confused like, what? Why, why aren't you doing that anymore? You know? They're, they're like kind of confused. Why, why, why aren't you joining in with us? I mean, this is what we do. This is, this is society. This is the world. Why, why are you off there on your own? You're weird. Something's wrong with you. There's, they're like perplexed and surprised that you're not partaking in this flood. Yeah? We've seen floods here with this rainstorm. It's, it, this is a flood of sin of debauchery. The word means wasteful living. That's what it means. It's used in the same manner of the prodigal son. Yeah. He went into debauchery. He, he went out into wasteful living. So they're like, you're kind of weird. Why, why aren't you with us? Yeah? Why aren't you? And so they malign you. They put you down. They slander you. They're like, what's wrong with you? You're, you're out of your mind. What's wrong with your, your thinking here? Well, you're out of your mind. And it makes me think about how people, they can get drunk and the next day not even remember what happened the night before. They're out, that's out of your mind, right? Or, you know, the, I don't know, they say it still, but I remember growing up and, hey, let's go get wasted, you know. What? Wasted? That's, I don't want to waste my life, you know, in that way. But the world thinks, wait, wait you're, you're crazy. Paul, Peter's like, look, you've had enough of that life. So when you suffer for Jesus, stand apart from the world. Stand apart from the world. For you know what? You no longer live that old life. You no longer live that old life. That's what Peter's saying. You guys, we got to stand apart. If you've been like dabbling in that or you've been kind of drifting back into the world and your old lifestyle and thinking, ah, it's okay, I have Christ. I can't go to church on, you know, once a month or once a week and I'm okay and I'm all right. I still have God. Peter's saying, no, no, enough of that already. Stand apart from the world. That's not you no more. You no longer live that old life. When I say go against the flow, I don't know if you, it puts into your mind that drawing. And I tried to get a, a there's different drawings. I mean, they could put it up on the screen um, of, of a, all this fish and the f- uh, fish going the other way. Do you guys have that? I thought I put that in there. No? I thought I put it in the slide. You sure? <laughs> what happened? <laughs> well, anyway, you know what I'm saying, right? You have all the fish going one way, and there's the one fish going the other way. Go against the flow. That's what Peter's saying. You know what? Stand apart from the world. Enough of that. Enough of flowing with the world. Enough of going just with the world. Be that one fish going the other way. Stand apart from the world. You no longer live that old life. 
stand apart. Don't do what everyone else is doing. Don't think in that way. Don't go in that direction. You might say, well, but then I won't have any friends. You might say, well, then, then, then wh- what am I going to do? Well, you, you can make new friends in church, right? Well, well I don't know about my family. Well, you can still love them and spend time, but you're not going to go drink with them. You're not going to go get drunk with them. Maybe you have to excuse yourself earlier from those get-togethers. You're going to go against the flow. You're going to be that one fish. Let me tell you, it's better to walk the lonely road with Jesus yeah, than to be without him in the crowd. All right, let's go to our last heading. Set your eyes on heaven. Go against the flow. Step into the battle. Stand apart from the world. And then, I like this part, set your eyes on heaven. We're going to look at verse 5 and 6, the last two verses this morning. Verse 5 says, But they will give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. So Peter says, look, these guys that malign you, these guys that come against you, these guys... That, you know, one day they're going to have to give account. They're going to have to stand before God one day. We know the great white throne judgment, right, in Revelation 20, 11 is going to happen. Everyone is going to be there. And they're going to have to give account. And guess who the judge is going to be? Jesus. Jesus. John 5.22 tells us that the Father has given that to Jesus. The one they rejected, the one that you follow and hold to, they're going to be held account to their rejection and their persecution of you because they're going to stand in front of Jesus. When he says here in verse 5, the living and the dead, uh, it really refers to the living, those who are persecuting you right now uh, that are alive, Peter's saying, and even those who have died long ago and have persecuted Christians. You guys, this has gone on since the time of Christ. And he, you know, persecution towards godly people. Even in the Old Testament, the prophets and people who've held on to God and his principles, it's been going on for a long time. But one day, everyone will stand before God. Every, all, every person who's persecuted you or in the past, in other words, what he's saying, living in the dead, no one will be left out. Nobody. Nobody. Then in verse 6, For this is why the gospel was preached even to those who are dead. All right. Wait. Wait. Is he saying that someone went, maybe it was Jesus, and preached to those who died? He went to the dead people and preached? No, no. That's, that can't be. Right? Because we know, we know that once you die, that's it. There is no chances. What is he saying? Well, he, when he talks about the dead here in verse 6, it's different from the dead unbelievers who are going to be judged. What he's talking about is the gospel was preached to those who were alive, accepted Christ, and now are dead. That's what he's referring to. It's referring to the people who heard the gospel and received Jesus while they were alive. So he's saying, look, This is why the gospel was preached, so that those who did receive Christ and those who did die, they're not judged because they're under Christ's blood. 
The blood covers sin, our sins. So that's why he says that though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. He's saying, look, though they were judged while they're alive, the flesh, in their physical body, and condemned by these people who hated Jesus, hated them, and they are put to death in the flesh, they die physically. Now their eternal spirit lives in heaven because they receive Christ and they live with God. They're in heaven in a way that God does also live on in eternity. That's what this means. So it's not like you can go preach to the dead. That's not what he's saying. He's saying that those who have died, who have received Christ, you know, even though they were judged and condemned and put to death because they didn't like your faith in Jesus, that, you know, they actually go on to live eternally with God. So, set your eyes on heaven toward the future reality. That's what we have to remember. Again, we can get lost in our life in this world, but forget that there's a future for us believers. That, that, that whatever we're going through, it's only temporary. That eternity is, is there waiting for us. And eternity is going to far outweigh whatever happens here in our life here. Remember, life goes, time goes by so fast here. Yeah. But eternity is going to go on forever. It's such a weird thought, right, to think we're going to live without time. But I think it's going to be awesome because it's like, wow, being with God will never end. Yeah, will never end. So here's the thing. Set your eyes on heaven toward the future reality that's coming. And you know what? Set your eyes in that way, not just for you, but knowing that whatever, whatever um, unfair, unjust treatment, yeah, you were given that those people, they're going to be held accountable for what they've done. Think about it this way. If you go to the cemetery, say you go up here to Mokwal's cemetery over here and you walk around, you'll see buried there, right? You'll see Christians and Jews, Muslims and Hindus. You'll see atheists, agnostics. You'll see rich and poor buried there. You'll see those who, who were homeless or, or those who, who had much, those who were famous, those who weren't famous. We're all, all buried there side by side because when we die, we're the same. Our physical body goes. We're the same. Death is the great leveler for the human race. The Bible says it, it is appointed for man to die once and after that comes the judgment, Hebrews 9.27. You know what that means? It means those without Christ, guess what? They're going to face judgment. But believers with Christ, they're going to go on to live with God because our sins have been taken care of. So that's the future reality we have to keep in mind of what's coming. When we come face to face with God. Some will be judged and some will be ushered into heaven. So what Peter's saying now on this earth, in this life that we live, in the judgments that may come upon us here, 
it's going to be reversed when we die. You may be judged and condemned for your faith here, but you know what? In heaven, in the future, it's going to be reversed. You may be low, bottom of the social ladder because the world thinks you're so weird, but in the end, you're going to be on the top because you're going to be heaven. And those without Christ won't be. It's going to be all reversed. Set your eyes on this reality of the future of heaven, what's coming. Those who got away with crimes, murder, cheating people out of their hard-earned money, you know what? They're going to have to face divine judgment. Those who, 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 who warped what marriage really is, between a man and a wife, Genesis, right? They're going to have to answer to God. Those who killed the unborn, they're going to see that there really is blood on their hands. Those who targeted believers with hate and did everything they could, yeah, to get them down and frustrate their efforts, they're going to see the truth in Jesus Christ. But on the other side of the ledger, those who believed in Christ, who gave mercy even though they were beaten, they're going to reap their reward, right? Those who suffered and even were martyred, died for their faith in Christ, they're going to receive a crown. Those who did not compromise, yet lost their job because of it, they're going to be repaid, what Jesus said, a hundredfold. Students who remain pure, they're going to be greeted with a smile from God. I was thinking about husbands and wives who stuck to their vows and their commitment. They're going to come into heaven with a feeling of fulfillment. That we made it, we did it. Missionaries who served in, in, in lonely uh, not nobody knew about them in dangerous places. You know what? They're going to come home and receive a hero's welcome. Do you see this is the reality, the future reality that Peter's putting out, reminding the readers. And let me tell you, God is reminding us of the reality that there is a battle, but we got to step into it. We've got to be willing to take those hits for Jesus. That we've we got to stand apart from the world. That's not us anymore. We're not going in that direction. And we've got to set our eyes on that reality of heaven, the future reality of what's going to happen in that, that near future, I would say. You know, when we really see what's coming, it should move your heart. When we really understand, we should, we should have this fire in us saying, whoa, God, where have I been? I need to be right here where he's talking about. We need, it needs to motivate us to be, yeah, wake up everyone. Put that armor on. Arm our mind. with, All right, I'm going into the world and I'm going to have some battles, but God, you're with me. It should move us to be willing to take a risk, yeah? To make a stand for Christ, to not 
compromise our faith, not compromise the word of God and be willing to suffer for souls to be saved, saved from hell, because that's the reality. That's what's coming. That should put a fire in our hearts. I'll close with this this morning. In the early 1800s, three Korean Christian men in China felt a burden to get the message of Jesus into their own country. Now, they could have stayed safe in their lives there. They were okay. They, they, they were comfortable. They could have just done the convenient thing. But God has set within them such a burden and fire for their, the lost there, their own race, their own people there, that they decided to smuggle a Bible into Korea Though it was against the law. So the first man went in, traveled many days. And when he reached the border, he was searched and they found the hidden Bible. And that guy was killed. Well, news reached the other two. But the second man, he went anyway. What he did was he thought, okay, he separated the, the pages of the Bible, hid them in different places in his luggage, and went and traveled there but when he got to the border, he was searched, found out, had the Bible pages, and he was beheaded. Now, if you're the third guy, what would you do? Uh, I don't know about this, you know. I, I not, I'm not sure. What would you do? Well, he was even more determined. Even more determined. You know what he did? He took each page of the Bible, like took it apart, folded them into strips, and then he wove the strips together and made a rope. Then he wrapped his luggage with this rope. He traveled to the border, and when he got to the border, the guards searched him and let him pass. They just saw rope. When he, uh, once he was safe in, in, uh, um, in a, a certain home, he untied a rope, ironed out each page, and reassembled the Bible and then he took that and began to preach Jesus. Isn't that awesome? They say years later when uh, foreign missionaries came to Korea, they are surprised to find people already living for Jesus. Now, something like this, I think the world would, would think, these guys are crazy. What? Risk your life for this? I mean, how do you even know it's going to work? How do you even know you're going to get through? How do you even know people even listen? Why would you do that? But they were willing to risk their life to save souls. To save souls. Because they knew what's up in the future. They know what happens when we die. They know that's why Jesus matters. And so Jesus should matter to us. The world says, what? Church? You're crazy. Why do you go to church? Oh, you go every Sunday? You even go Wednesday? What? what? Are you some weird Jesus freak? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And let me tell you why. You see, the world is rushing toward its own destruction. That's what's going to happen. But we want to go against that flow. And bring as many as we can. So you guys, all this should drive us to do what Peter's saying here. Every single thing. 
to go against the flow. Let's pray. Lord, as we are here before you and after hearing and in reading the words that Peter wrote, God, how important it is for us to live for you. God, I know, I know it's hard sometimes. God, we, we have so much around us, so many things, whether it's our interests, our life is busy, we're pulled into the things of the world. Maybe we even listen to a message like this and, and we, we, we take pieces of it and say, oh, I like this part, but I don't like that part. And many of our beliefs and our approach to you is, is built upon that, not the word of God. We've only taken uh, pieces, not the pure word, but we, we, we've kind of made our own plate. We, we've gone to the buffet of, of truth and what we think, how we should live, and we've just taken what we like from, from things we grew up with or what we see in the world or what we think will work for us, and we hold that plate and those items in there. But God, you're saying, that needs to go. We need to be pure about your will and what you desire. We need to take your word for what it is and, and take that plate into our lives and eat that. God, help us today, Lord. And God, I know that though we failed you in many areas, in many ways, that you're still here to receive us. And I pray for that, Lord. I pray for uh, 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 those in this room and those connected, those at the sound um, the, of my voice that feel that regret and condemnation that, wow, you look at this and go, whoa, Lord, I'm so far away, I've drifted. But God, you want to receive us back. You care for us. We are still worth something to you. I read something the other day, Lord, and I feel like like a $100 bill, no matter if you crumple it and step on it and throw it in the mud, Lord, it's still worth $100. God, you can clean us from the filth of our sin you can fold out the wrinkles of our mistakes god you can make us new again in you christ because we are worth something to you and that's why you died on the cross for our sins so jesus today god we commit and surrender everything to you and live for you god we say i'm i'm on your side i'm taking your side not the world i'm stepping away from the worldly things, my, the worldly life, Lord, I'm going to step in, in, into your life. May we do that this morning, God. So, Lord, forgive us and cleanse us. And as we give our life to you, receive us, Lord, with all, your, all of your love and grace. Pick us up, Lord, dust us off. Take our hand, Lord, and let us follow you in your ways, on your path, and let us all go against the flow. In Jesus' name, amen.